Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning. Welcome to Asbury. So glad to see everyone here today. Please stand as able and join me in the call to worship. We come into the season of preparation. It's time we open our hearts where we get ready for a baby. As we prepare for Christmas, God calls us to reflect. Reflect on the world around us and our place in it. God has called us to this place of, to worship, to reflect on our world, to get ready for the birth of Christ. Come, let us worship together.
Amen. The scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, verses 26 through 38, and the 22nd chapter, verses 41 and 42. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord of God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy." He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month for her who was said to have been barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. From the 22nd chapter of Luke. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I'm going to recite a prayer that may be familiar to some of you, but to others, maybe not. Listen to the words and see if any of them sound familiar. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, this prayer is otherwise known as the Hail Mary. It's part of praying the rosary and also used for penance during confession in the Roman Catholic Church, among other things. The Roman Catholic Church venerates Mary, the mother of God, as the chosen vessel for the birth of God's Son and claims that she is the Immaculate Conception, meaning that she was kept by God from the stain of original sin so that Christ would not come into contact with sin from the time of conception to his birth. 
Now there's more to it theologically, but suffice it to say that we as Protestants, although we certainly hold up Mary as the mother of Jesus, don't hold her in the same esteem. It's often like two sides of the seesaw. The Catholic Church holds her in very high esteem and are taught to pray to her every day. And the Protestants pretty much ignore her, except at Christmas. And even then, we see her not really as a separate human being, but only in respect to her having given birth to Jesus. We portray her in nativity scenes, but not much more. And as I went to Sight and Sound in Lancaster with the youth group this summer to watch their production called Jesus, I went pretty much believing I knew the whole story already, that nothing that I would see would be new to me. And it was pretty much true. What caught me off guard, though, was a scene near the end when Jesus was dying on the cross and Mary was standing in the middle of the stage with the body of Jesus being removed from the cross on her right and the scene of his birth on her left. It struck me in that moment that she must have always been caught in the middle between being a mother to Jesus and being one of his disciples. Now you may say there were only 12 disciples and they were all men, but in reality Jesus had many more disciples, many who followed him and his teachings. And Mary was one and is called by many scholars as the first Christian since she said yes to Jesus before anyone else in the world. In that moment, I felt led to take a deeper look at Mary and how she stood between her role as Jesus' mother and being a faithful follower that had to watch as he redeemed the world by his life, death, and resurrection. So we're having what I'm calling a Merry Christmas this year as we see Mary as both human and as what the early church called her using the Greek word theotokos, which means God-bearer, the mother of God. Mary will always be a mystery to us, but I believe that looking into what Scripture says about her will give us hope and encouragement on our journey of faith and remind us what the birth of Christ means for us and how we too, as followers of Jesus, often stand in the middle, celebrating his birth, yet knowing that this tiny baby will grow up to one day die for our sins and the sins of the world. So let's begin by trying to understand who Mary was before she became the mother of Jesus. Well, Scripture tells us the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee, to Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph, who was from the house of David, and then her name was Mary. Nazareth was a small town that had very few people in it. You know, one of those nondescript towns that we'd laugh about today is having only one stop sign, and if you blinked, you'd miss it. Nothing important had ever happened there. Remember in John chapter 1, when Jesus is calling his 12 disciples, and Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's the kind of town it was. Nothing important, a small, nothing going on in this place kind of town. And Mary grew up in that town where everyone knew her and her family, probably knew everything about her life as well. We kind of know what small town life is like, don't we? And I'm fairly certain she lived a nondescript life, obedient to her parents, living the expected life of a young girl from a small town who had no special social standing. 
At the time of the angel Gabriel's appearance, she is probably 13 or 14 years old. She is betrothed to a carpenter, a man named Joseph. And this means they have taken vows in the first step of a two-step marriage process. And she is anticipating that after a year, after their vows, she will be taken into his home. Dowry will be paid by her father, and she will officially become an adult and Joseph's wife. Love rarely had anything to do with it. It was more of a financial arrangement, as the father was providing the best possible future for his daughter. And during this year, Joseph is preparing his home for her, and she is learning how to be a wife from her mother and probably the other ladies in the village. It was the way things went in her town. All young girls got married. And she was probably excited and anxious all at the same time, just like most of us were before we got married. Her life was all very predictable. And then the most unexpected, unpredictable thing happened. An angel showed up. And if you listen to what Gabriel says to her, we hear the basis of the Hail Mary prayer. She is favored and the Lord is with her. Then scripture tells us, that she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this could be. If you read about Mary and Luke, she ponders things a lot. She was like me, a processor. She took the time to think about things, and I'm sure her mind was racing. Then as he tells her that she is going to be, get pregnant, I'm sure her brain was on overload. Now, he absolutely reveals the gender reveal party by telling her all about this child, but it's necessary to let her know that this child will be worth carrying, worth upsetting her perfect, predictable life. But she's not dumb. She understands immediately that this isn't the normal way babies come into the world, and she has questions. God had appeared to many of her ancestors, too. And she knew the stories, like Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Solomon. And if we read their stories, we'll see that every one of them had questions, too. So it's not out of the ordinary to have questions when God shows up and then gives us an assignment. In the Christian world, we call that a call from God. When God calls us to do something or to be something specific, sometimes it's just a call to have faith in him, to simply say yes to having a relationship with the one who created us. Sometimes it's a call to something more, such as when people like me are called into the ministry. Whatever God calls us to do, it's normal to have questions. What will this mean for me? And for my life, what do I have to do? And am I even capable of doing what you ask me to do? Mary had these questions and probably many more. Now the interesting thing is that even though many people believe that she was chosen for this task before she was even created, God still asks permission, still asks for her consent. You have been chosen to be the mother of God, the angel tells her. Will you do it? See, God never forces us to do what he asks of us. Faith is the same way. 
God doesn't force us to believe in him or to even consent to loving him. Jesus says in Revelation 3, 20, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you. Having faith is like opening the door. Mary had free will, and so do we, in all things that God calls us to. God gives us the freedom to say no, but also the grace of being able to say yes, even when we don't have all the answers to our questions and no clue as to how things will work out. Mary might have had an understanding that her life was going to change. She might have had an idea that her community and even possibly her parents might not ever understand what had happened. And maybe even that her life might be in danger at times. Yet she took the time to listen to God, to open her heart to what she was being asked to do. Now the song the choir sang today asks what Mary knew about her life ahead, understood about the life of this child, and I believe she only knew at the beginning what was important for her to know. Jesus says in John 16, 12 to his disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I believe God revealed things to Mary on a need-to-know basis and by what she could bear from day to day. And God does that for us too. It's all about faith and trust. Do we trust God even when we don't have all the answers to our questions or know the full truth about what will happen when we say yes to becoming Christians, when we say yes to serving in that ministry, say yes to becoming a pastor or some leader in the church? It's again kind of like marriage. We say yes to being married, but often we don't have a clue what will happen and how things will work out. We get married and then we find out that we can't have children or our spouse gets some terrible illness or we struggle with just living together because we're very different kinds of people. Faith is like that too. We say yes to God and we can't possibly know where that will take us and what challenges we will face. So do we let our questions and doubts take over? Or do we trust God and his plan, his vision for our lives? Jesus had the same struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he would be arrested. He knew the road he was walking on would be hard. He too comes to a place where he has to make a decision. And because he is human, he struggles. Maybe he does know everything that's about to happen. Or maybe he can't really even begin to imagine what he will face in the next 24 hours. Maybe it's easier that way. Just like it was probably easier for Mary not to know what would happen to her son and how hard it would be to watch him be tortured to death. But each of them came to a point where they had to make a decision. Trust in God and his plan for their future or walk away and take what seems to be the safer, less challenging route. Now, I'd like to believe the human Jesus had doubts and struggled with those doubts and also had the freedom to say no, just like any of us. I'd also like to believe that his mother, during the whole of his life, set the example for him on what a life of trusting God looked like. 
what that life brought, the joy that it brought. God has planned joy for our lives. And her example, I believe, helped him say yes, even when it would be the hardest thing he would ever do, walk the road to his own death. Now, after Mary asks her questions, Gabriel tells her not only how she will become pregnant, but he tells her about Elizabeth, her cousin, as well. Scholars believe she didn't really know about Elizabeth until the angel tells her. That's one of the reasons I think she runs off to see her after the announcement. But in that moment, when she hears about what God has done for Elizabeth, and the angel reminds her that nothing is impossible with God, I believe this is the turning point in her faith when she consents to being the mother of God. In that moment, she believed that what God says his will will happen simply because he is God and he will be with her all the way. She may not have really known what the future held, but she knew who held the future. She says yes to God and in one moment changes the course of all humanity by changing the future with her yes. So what about us? Most of us will never have an angel from God standing before us and giving us a message. We might be really grateful for that. So how do we even know what God's will for our lives happens to be? How do we say yes to God and the plans he has for us? See, both Jesus and Mary took the time to listen to God and hear what God was saying to them. Mary had an angel and Jesus listened through prayer. We have the Holy Spirit that speaks to us in many different ways. But first, we start by saying yes to Jesus, to our faith. When we look at the manger, we may have questions about the truth of that story. We may wonder if there really is a God who loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. We may wonder if there is a better plan for our lives than the one that we have. And if it's even worth making the effort to live the way Jesus calls us to live. The truth is that we will never know what God has planned for our lives until we say yes to following Jesus and to following where he will lead us. And maybe we have questions and doubts. But both, both Mary and Jesus show us that it's all very human of us to have them. Faith is saying yes even in the midst of our doubts. And I can't really tell you what that will mean for you. I can only tell you that I had no real clue about how my life would change in saying yes to God's plan that I become a pastor. Everything about my life changed. Not all at once, thank God, but everything changed. And I knew that God was with me, and I know God is with me still. And that gives me comfort and strength. What I do know is that even when it gets hard, and it gets hard a lot, my life is full of joy. Joy that I would never have had if I had just kept going my own way. I have peace in my spirit knowing that God holds my future. And no matter what happens, he holds me in his hand. I know that by saying yes, 
I have been able to work with God to change the world by impacting the lives of those that I have encountered in some way. Sharing the love of God with people, being the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that is full of trouble and pain has been way more rewarding than it has been hard. And I don't know what God will ask you to do, or even how he will find a way to let you know his will for your life. But I do know that saying yes will possibly be the hardest, but definitely the best decision you ever make. You may never be called to lead people out of Egypt or become a prophet or even a pastor, but whatever God calls you to do, if you say yes, you will change the world in some way. Mary and Jesus said yes to the will of God. All we have to do is say yes to faith and then follow wherever God may lead us. And when we're faced with that kind of decision, remember the example of Mary, a not-so-simple act of faith, opening the door to let Jesus in, changed everything for us. There will be nativity scenes everywhere this year. As we look at them, we can believe the truth of this wonderful story, remembering that nothing is impossible with God. Then believe that God loves each one of us, that's you and that's me, and has plans for our lives that will bring us joy and peace. So open the door of your heart and say yes to whatever he has planned. Then step into your future, knowing that the Lord is with you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Emmanuel means God with us. That's who Jesus is. And that's what faith in him means for us. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. And the Lord, through the birth of his son, is with us. I want you to ponder that this Christmas and every day. We are not alone. We are loved by God. And the Lord is with us. Amen. Asbury United Methodist Church is a community of faith where all are welcome and can find the love of God. We're located on Mount Vernon Street in downtown Smyrna with worship at 8.30, 9.30, and 11. We invite you to join us. Please call the church at 302-653-8415 for more information, or you can find us on the web at asburysmyrnaumc.org. We're on Facebook, too. May God bless you with his love. And one more thing. You can catch up with what's happening here at Asbury United Methodist in Smyrna on our Facebook page. Just go to Asbury UMC Smyrna, all one word, and give us a like. You will be blessed.